200 bodies found on the slope of an isolated mountain. Is it possible that you are the star of a reality show and everyone else is watching you? And then we take a look at the mysterious story of a sphere found in a field. Was it space junk? An alien artifact? Or something far more dangerous? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. I better be having a great day because... This is the third episode I've recorded this day. Monday and Tuesday's episode I just recorded a little bit earlier today, and I'm now recording Wednesday's episode. Now, I've done that from time to time. Last week I did two of the first two episodes in a single sitting. I'm letting you guys know this now because I think I'm, I'm getting a sore throat. So I want to get my episodes out. I want to get my episodes recorded early just in case because I got to talk a lot at my job. And I can't just like point and grunt to them and I can just pre-record stuff here. I wish I could pre-record my job too. But I noticed the la- the first episode, Monday's episode, I seemed a little like, oh, my throat hurts. But let's just get through this. Like Yesterday's episode, I seemed quite surly. I don't know how much of that is going to survive the editing process. Because I'll edit them the day of. I really enjoy editing. I enjoy all of this. Except the show notes. I hate writing those. But... I haven't edited it yet, but I if it comes off that I sound quite surly, it's simply because I don't feel that great. So, that being said, I want to make a quick note. Again, Sean, thank you for sending me the story about the man eating rock. I didn't want it to be like, oh, I can't be bothered with this stupid story, because that wasn't the case. I researched it, and I, I was researching it when Sean recommended it, and I was like, there's just not enough here. There's not enough here, and I kept trying to force it into a story, and then finally I was like, I'm just going to address it here. But I want to let Sean know, and I want to let everyone know, I really, really enjoy it when you guys, I really, really enjoy it when you guys send in recommendations. And sometimes, and this has happened a couple times, where people have recommended a story to me, and it's been debunked. And I hope that does, I hope you don't think that that means that I didn't appreciate the story or that I didn't enjoy researching it because I like debunking the stuff too when it can be debunked. So again, thanks everyone for people who've sent in stories. Also a quick reminder, and also a quick reminder in the show notes for the episodes going forward are going to be links to flyers to help advertise the show. That helps tremendously. Word of mouth helps the show out a lot and we're seeing that growth, but also flyers as old school as they are does help advertise the show. So If you want to help out the show, that's a great way. Oh, and also starting probably in February, we will be having merch. Maybe a little bit earlier. I'm getting the merch store set up now. Stickers and t-shirts is what we're looking at. Maybe a hat. I don't know. But definitely stickers and t-shirts. So we'll get that. You'll be able to buy it from the podcast uh, show notes or on YouTube. It'll be a little merch store right underneath the video. So Okay, let's go ahead and and, and the stone story, the man-eating stone story was supposed to be in this episode. And since I addressed it last time, okay, so first story we're going to talk about, speaking of stones, in the Himalayas, back in 1942, there's some dudes walking around in the snow, and they're like sticking their sticks in, and with their snowshoes, dodging yetis, and they stumble across a body, and they're like, oh my, what's this body doing up here on this mountain? I mean, I guess it makes sense, because a lot of people die on mountains, but there's a body next to that, and a body next to that, and a body next to that, and they ended up counting. I don't think they counted them all that day, but eventually they discovered there was 200 bodies on the side of this mountain, and they're like, oh, 
Okay, well, that would be scary. It's kind of, just kind of scary because they're wearing old-timey clothes. So it's not like what happened to them is what's going to happen to us. And there was always this wonder of how they died. Um, they, people have thought that they were killed in battle. That was one of the theories. The other one was that it was a bunch of pilgrims from another area who died of hypothermia because they weren't used to the environment. Illness, maybe some plague struck them. The reason why they had the idea of the pilgrims is because they were taller and more thicker. They were taller and thicker than the indigenous people in this area. So they figured they must have come from somewhere else. They must have had like a, a better diet. Because they're so yoked. These just bunch of muscular men and women. Little muscular babies in bambushkas. Is the bambushka the thing that the baby rides on in the back or the front? And they like have a little bow and arrow. And they can like shoot at people. Anyways, they're using their umbilical cord as the bow. So, whatever Jason. So anyways, they find all these bodies. Now what's happened is the ice has started to melt. And the bodies are starting to, some of them are starting to become disgorged from the mountain. So it's allowed them to take a closer look. Because it's not the most, it's not a place where you want to take your CSI team up. It's the side of a mountain. So the mountains are kind of melting a bit. They're able to take these bodies out. One thing they've started to notice is that the bodies generally all have uh, massive head wounds. And they're like, well, that would, that could make sense with the battle. But why would everyone get hit in the head? There's just a bat. How do you fight a battle on the side of a mountain either? And I wonder if they had weapons. But anyway, so they had holes in their heads. And what happened, and this is one of those interesting things where legends can meet up with reality. We've talked about that a couple times on the show. As anthropologists and other scientific people were looking at these bodies, one of the stories that came out from the village below was this old legend about these outsiders. It was actually this traditional song sung in this community. There was a long time ago, there was a group of outsiders trying to enter their area, and they were climbing up this forbidden mountain, which just happened to be the mountain where all these bodies were, and the goddess of the mountain got angry at them, and she rained down hailstones as hard as iron and smashed all their heads in and killed them. And the scientists started thinking that song, that old, old folk song may actually be like a news event that that lines up because before they just found the bodies, they may have heard the song, but it didn't match up. But once they start seeing all these bodies with holes in their heads, they're like, maybe that is what happened. Maybe that was an actual event that that song was based on. These people were from another area. They were climbing up the mountain and they all got laid out. So that's the theory right now, that it was a massive, not the goddess part, but that there was a massive hailstorm while they were on the side of the mountain and killed them. And they were, it was kind of chilling. They said some of them may have been killed instantly by the hail, and other ones may have just gotten knocked down or injured and then just died of hypothermia. But there's another theory that the 200 bodies we see aren't all of them. There's even more that we can't get access to. They're like frozen deeper into the mountain. So they go, we can see count 200 bodies, but there could be a f- more of the pilgrims that we can't find that are still just kind of stuck in the mountain. I have another theory though. Zombies. It all matches up, dude. If I'm being chased by zombies, I'm going to first try to get to like a higher elevation. Like it's like Fortnite, bro. I'm going to go up. I'm going to build up. And so I have the height advantage, so I'm going up the mountain. Zombies can't move, it's scientifically proven, zombies can't move as well in the snow, and they'll slip a lot. It's like home alone, it's like nature, a mountain is nature's home alone trap. So zombies are slipping and sliding, and how do you kill a zombie? Bam, hit him in the brain, and that would explain why all of them got hit in the brain. Because if you figure, if the hailstones are coming down, I don't know if they counted every head wound, but let's just say they did, for the sake of my narrative. 
if hail is coming down, some people are going to get broken legs and some people are going to get like, it's going to hit them in the heart and they're like, oh, my heart. Some of them are going to be like looking straight up and going like, what's that? And like hailstone's going to go right into their mouth and choke them. These guys all had head wounds. The only reason why you would hit everyone in the head, zombie. Himalayan zombies, dude. I mean, why not? Why not? It's theory. It's a theory. It works, right? I should be a scientist. I'll just posit everything as zombies. Is economics considered a science? And if so, how would I fit zombies into that form of science? The economics of being a zombie. I guess it would be the economics of, like, energy. Like, no, I guess that's a different type of science. What would be the economics of zombies? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so anyways, (laughs) that was anticlimactic. Next story. Oh, oh, and I forgot to say that story, that huge hailstorm story, was part of new news. I know you guys are tired of that, but new news. There's still a bunch of that stuff left. Ton of stories from the year 2004. So, oh, what was the next one? Oh, so this was a weird one. This one is not part of new news. Actually, it might have been at the time. No, no, no. So this is not part of new news, but it's an interesting story nonetheless that I didn't get from my folder that's 14 years old. 40 people in the world have been diagnosed with this, and it's not even a real disease. Even the people who've coined the term said, yeah, it's not real. It's not like a separate thing. But it is called the Truman Show Delusion. Now, when I say it's not real, it doesn't mean that it's completely made up. What it means is that the DSM, the Diagnostics, I don't know, Service Manual, whatever, uh, for the book that psychologists and psychiatrists look through to tell you how crazy you are, that book does not include this. It's a included basically under another thing, and we'll get to that in a second. But the Truman Show delusion, or the Truman Show syndrome, is a fairly recent thing, and it really ties into the movie The Truman Show. Now, if you don't know what that is, it was a movie that came out in the late 90s. It was actually really good. I'm not a big fan of dramas, but it was good. It's about a man named, uh, I don't know, John Truman, whatever. Anyway, so he has since he was a baby he's been on a reality show he lives on an island and everyone else on the island is an actor and everywhere there's cameras it started off just as like a baby food commercial and then people couldn't stop watching it and so they just let the cameras roll as he got older and i think in the movie he's probably in his like his late 20s or something like that and you have this the director who's basically god he sits in a studio like a recording studio in the moon so he's watching the island the whole time it's a really well done movie it's kind of a drama comedy but the truman show delusion is kind of what you think it is it's it's people who think that they are the star of a reality show and that everybody they know is an actor and somewhere there are cameras and if you're not on the show you're watching them they believe they're the star of this reality show And it's manifested in a few weird ways. One of the people suffering from it, after 9-11, he goes, that's impossible, that didn't happen. He thought it was just a twist in his reality show. He thought, like, the producers were throwing him a curveball. He thought the producers were just throwing him a curveball. He drove all the way out to New York to see if the towers were really knocked down. He shows up. Spoiler alert, they're not there anymore. Another guy went to an embassy. I also believe it was in New York. He went to an embassy and asked for diplomatic immunity and for a demand for the show to be ceased now. They needed to cancel the show because it drives you nuts. You Imagine if you thought everyone around you was totally fake and they were just actors. Every event that happened to you was being controlled by somebody. There was one guy, he was saying, that he got the delusion that... The end of the show, the climax of the show, was he had to find his dad in this huge crowd of people. And if he could find his dad, and then his dad called him on the phone, 
all of a sudden the producers of the show would come out on stage where their huge group of people is give him a check for a million dollars and the show would be over but he couldn't find his dad that day his dad may not even been there because he's so delusional and therefore he didn't win the show and the show would keep going until the next big twist reveal you know season finale things like that so what's interesting about this story i mean it's just it's a bizarre delusion and people get caught up in stuff. And and I remember I was reading an interview with one of the guys who has it, who suffers from it. And the interviewer says, have you ever seen The Matrix? And he's like, yeah, have I seen The Matrix? Yeah, dude, I've watched The Matrix. My kids hate it because I make them watch The Matrix with me all the time. So it's Matrix kind of plays into that whole thing, too. Just like reality is not what you see. But the reason why this isn't included as if 40 people are diagnosed with it, but the reason why it's not included in the you know, psychologist Bible is because they basically, the psychology community, the psychology community sees it as another form of delusional behavior. And I was reading these articles and they said, it's interesting because delusional behavior, delusions in general, are formed by our cultural consciousness and our media. So depending on the level of technology we are at, that is the delusion. And they explained it that in the 40s and 50s, the delusion was radio waves are being beamed into your head. But by the time the 70s and 80s came around, it came to microchips implanted in your teeth or your brain or under your skin. Nobody in the 1930s was like, oh no, I have this chip in my skin, because they didn't exist. People didn't know what to have a delusion about. And I started to think about that more. And this is really like we have these levels of delusions. Early, early times like Paleolithic times or whatever, Greeks, Romans, all that stuff, demons and gods. Like if you were being delusional, your delusion would be, I'm being persecuted by the gods themselves. My crops are failing. That chicken's looking at me weird. My wife is actually like half spinach because the gods have cursed me. And then in the medieval times, you had the evil eye. You had somebody else cursing you. Someone looks at you weird. And I'm not saying that, like, those were, people did believe in the gods punishing people. But I'm talking about if you suffered from a mental handicap, if you were actually, like, a paranoid, delusional person in 1440, you wouldn't be thinking, am I on a reality show? Why does that cornstalk over there have a lens? You would think, if you were suffering from paranoid, delusional thoughts, you would think someone cast the evil eye on me. But then we did go to the radio waves. People who had these problems would complain about radio waves. Then it moved on to the implanted chips, the reality shows. Now we're at the reality shows. It's interesting to think what's next. What will be the next delusional thing? I think we're close to it with The Matrix, and I think it'll be um, something related to video games. Okay, So let's go ahead and move on to our next and last topic. This one was really weird. It's funny. I found the article. I don't think it was recommended to me. I think I stumbled across it. But if someone recommended this to me, I apologize. Because it's kind of, it kind of just appeared on my phone. And I looked at the article and it was really long. And I was like, and I kind of like read a bit of the beginning. And I was like, and it took me quite a few days to really kind of settle down to read the article. And it's weird. It's weird. And there's one part in the article that straight up deceives you, like straight up lies to you. And it made me kind of mad. It made me a little surly. But I think overall, the story has a lot of meat to it. It's March. It's 1974. And it's in Florida. So let's hop in the Jason Jalopy. And we're driving from Hood River. 
It's going to take us like three weeks to get there, but we finally get there. We're now in back in time, so it doesn't matter how long it takes us to get there. It's 1974. Everyone's wearing bell bottoms and big collars on their shirts. And what other good stuff was in uh, the 1970s? Yeah, I can't think of anything. Okay, so... Oh, wait. Yeah, Star Wars hadn't even come out, so... There was my New York accent popping out there for a second if you didn't pick up on that. The Betts family. It's a mom and a dad and an adult son. There is just... They had this property and there was this big fire in their area. And they went out for a walk. And they were seen kind of surveying the damage and stuff like that. And in the field, kind of sitting there, and there was... You know, it was the area was kind of scorched, but sitting there was this bowling-sized metal bowl. The size of a bowling ball, which is generally what bowling ball-sized means. But anyways, and it, ha- it had no markings on it except for a elong- elongated triangle. And they're like, what? This is weird. This must have, like, maybe fallen from an airplane because it's just sitting in the middle of a field. And they're like, well, that's weird. Let's Let's take it home. Weird artifact. You know, people take knickknacks home. I do all the time. And then I end up throwing them away. But they take the ball home. Don't really think anything of it. Just like a weird artifact they found in their field. And then one day, Daddy Betts is rocking out on his electric guitar. Because again, it's 1974. He's probably playing Smoke on the Water. And then the orb starts going. Like, what? It's all playing the drums. Anyways, he that did, that it didn't start playing smoke on the water. What he did was he realized when he played his electric guitar, the ball started to resonate. And they're like, "That's weird. Why is it doing that?" And then they, I, they had more questions, and they didn't just trail off like I did. But then they had some other weird events. One night, the Betts family is sleeping, and they hear really loud organ music playing in their house. Again, not the specific song it was playing, but it was organ music. They would also would hear doors like banging and stuff like that, so a lot of paranormal activity. Now, the family was like, we've never had any of this stuff before. The son was like in pre-med. The mom and the dad were kind of like scientists. Not like, not like lab coat scientists, but I think the dad was an engineer or something like that. And they go, there has to be a rational explanation for this. We don't believe in ghosts. Let's do some experiments on this big old orb. One of the experiments they did was they would put it, they put it on the table. They would roll it and it would roll to the edge of the table, stop and then roll back to where it was. And they're like, that's weird. Let's try it in the other direction. It would roll and stop and then roll back to where it was. So obviously the dad's like, the table must not be level. He gets his bubble level. I think they even go to a different table, try it again, does the same thing. So at this point, They still don't have any answers to what this thing is. And Mama Betts said, we need to get more eyes looking at this thing. So she contacts the newspaper and says, listen, I have this really weird artifact. I'm not trying to get any money for my story or anything like that. I just want to find out what it is. So it gets in the newspaper and that gets a public's attention. So you did start to have like lab coat wearing scientists show up and they're doing the push test. And they're like, well, that's weird. It won't roll off the table. And they also did it on the floor. It would kind of roll around the floor. It seemed like it was navigating itself. And then she took it to the military and said, if this is yours, you can have it back. But if it's not, you can't damage it. I want it back. And the military's like, okay. Let's let's do that. And they started running these tests. They had like this big x-ray machine. And they go, this definitely, we didn't make this. We didn't make this at all. And based on our x-rays, there are these two like cylinders inside. There's like a, a pole in the middle of it. And then these two elements surrounding it. And we don't know what those elements are made out of. 
We don't know what this is. And the one guy in the army basically goes, let's cut it open. And she's like, no, 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 no. I don't want you to damage it. Like, it's not yours. It's mine. And they gave it back to her. And then the Marines visited her house and was like, let's let us see if. Now, here's the point in the story where you're thinking, wait a second, Jason, you're telling me she brought an possible alien artifact to the army and they just gave it back to her. A lot of these little details we'll get to in a second. But this is the the narrative. The Marines show up and they look at it and they're like, no, it's not ours either. We've never seen anything like this. So the story gets out somewhere. Someone makes the announcement that the sphere, known as the Bet Sphere, after them, the people who found it, was transmitting radio waves. So now people were really like freaking out. So the theories that were flown around at the time was that it was fell off an airplane, fell off of a satellite. It was a satellite. It was just a piece of junk. Or it was something alien. And all those theories were kind of bouncing around. You can find... And what's interesting, because I was reading this, I've never heard of this story before, but you can find the news articles. You can find the news article clippings where they talk about this. This happened. We'll talk about the details in a second, but this family existed. The sphere existed. It was examined by the military. It was examined by scientists and the media. And it was surprising to me, too. I know a lot of you guys are going to be like, I've never heard of this story before. And it's pretty intriguing. I never heard of it before either. And like I said, it just was on my phone. Not because of like a magical ghost is on my phone, but I think I just clicked on the link randomly. And I was like, this is actually a really intriguing story. Except when it lies to me in a second. But anyway, so we get to this point. The Betts family, there is a blue ribbon panel assembled. Blue ribbon panel is like the top scientists. They're going to look at this orb. Now, they take it out. And these are the, you had a psychologist, a biologist, a philosophy professor, a former Supreme Court justice, a former attorney general of the United States, a formal New York of appeals judge, and an astronomer. And you're like, that is quite the roster to look at this orb, to look at the Bet sphere. So they take it to this blue ribbon panel and they present it to them. And the experts look at it and go, we don't know what it is. They couldn't come to a definite conclusion. And then here, I'm going to read this quote from this article. So Dr. Alan Hynek was the astronomer, and he said in this article, none will go so far as to say it's extraterrestrial. They would be putting their scientific reputations on the line. And that's two quotes, but separated. So there might be something missing there. We'll get to that in a second. And then uh, according to this article, Dr. James Harder Harder, that's a great poor name, but Dr. James Harder, who was a civil and hydraulic engineering professor, said, this is definitely extraterrestrial. I believe it's extraterrestrial, and this guy also believes in UFOs. So, he obviously has a slant. So, I read that part of the article and just kept going. I was like, okay, it was brought to this Blue Ribbon Committee. They must have set up the committee for the sphere, because they just pop up out of nowhere in the narrative. And they took it to him, and the experts go, I don't know what this is. I I have no idea what this is. Now, what happened was Dr. Harder, though, when he examined the sphere, apparently, and again, this is where it got a little weird right now, because I couldn't, it says Dr. Harder was there at the Blue Ribbon Committee, but he was he really listed in the group? But anyway, so he looks at it, and he goes, this, the, the elements inside of it, those two little orbs, those two little rings wrapped around the pole, He said the heaviest element ever produced on Earth in an atomic reactor had an atomic number of 105. On Earth, the only naturally occurring high atomic number is 92. 
He said, but in the Bet Sphere, the makeup of the the little diodes or whatever you want to call them, the little like oval things in the Bet Sphere, had an atomic number of 140. He said, if you drill into this, it could go critical, and it would be the biggest nuclear blast on the planet. It's a weapon. So he made that statement to the press, and the press went to the Betts family to get a comment from them. But I'm going to back up to this quote where they go to the blue ribbon panel. So the story is they go to the blue ribbon panel to get it tested out, and they go, we don't know what it is. I found another article, and I wasn't specifically looking for an article that was skeptical. I did find a skeptical article, but that's not where I found this information. I was just looking for some more backup. The blue ribbon panel was set up by the National Enquirer, and it was a contest to anyone who could bring proof of alien or alien technology, won $50,000. And they took the orb to the new, the National Enquirer's contest. If you don't know, National Enquirer is a notorious tabloid in the United States. A lot of their stuff is made up. And so it was a publicity stunt, and they brought the orb there to win $50,000. And the Blue Ribbon panel was like, we don't know what this is, but it's probably not alien. It's probably man-made. And they didn't win the money. And apparently it was there that James Harder, lurking in the shadows, was like, hmm, that might be some sort of super weapon. Don't lie to me. The story's intriguing enough that if I had read that detail, I would have not thought anything less of the story but when you omit it and i find it later it makes me think less of you as a journalist or as a website all it does all it did was add the national and the rest of the story worked just fine but that really irritated me it didn't make me think anything less of the story but it made me think less and i i've talked about this before the paranormal and conspiracy community, you guys, us, we have a high standard of proof because we're saying fantastical things. Don't lie to people. Drove me up the wall when I read that. Absolutely up the wall. They, and that's why the Blue Ribbon panel appeared out of nowhere in the original article. And I'm not going to say what the original article, where I got it from, whatever, because, but just as a community, we can't be pulling these tricks. You can't. Because then you lose all credibility back to the narrative harder says it's a weapon if you crack it open it will go nuclear the media turns to the Betts family for comment the sphere and the family have been according to all reports even skeptical ones have been missing since the late 70s they're gone i went to skeptoid which is a skeptical website i go to a lot they don't have any answer for where the bets went. The conspiracy websites have no answer for where the bets went. It's just gone. And it's such a little-known conspiracy that there's not a ton of resources on it. And I don't think it was ever an issue of they went missing, as in missing people reports were filed. It could have been, we just don't want the media anymore. We don't want the publicity it could have been they went missing and someone said, yeah, they said they were moving to Michigan. They don't want the publicity anymore. And people went, oh, okay. But by all accounts, they're gone. As far as I could tell. Now, again, someone could find an article and say, oh, no, 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 here they are. And, and that'd be awesome. But from the research I've done, this family and the sphere to this day are missing. Fascinating. What was the sphere? There was a couple answers. One of them 
was it was an art project. The guy was working with those type of spheres, and he was traveling through Florida, and he thinks one fell off his truck. Some people thought it was a ball bearing that fit into this giant pipe. The stories about the military investigating them, um, Skeptoid was the one looking into that, and they found some stuff where people are like, yes, the military investigated the item, but the story about using the giant x-ray, like, I wasn't there when that happened, I can't verify whether or not that happened, I can only say that, yes, the military did look at it. So, some of the details match up, some of the details might be a little more elaborated, but the overall thing, the Betts family did find a sphere. They took it to the media and took it to these groups to be investigated. And to this day, the sphere and the Betts family are missing. That's all fairly undisputed. Yeah, bizarre story. Creepy story. You think you stumble across this artifact and you're going to have a wonderful adventure or a mystery to solve because there's organ music playing and it's rolling around on the floor. And then you and your family go missing. Never to be seen again. Okay, so uh, so an addendum. Obviously, you can tell that this is being recorded a couple days from where I originally recorded the podcast. One, because the sound quality is probably a little different. And then two, because the sound of my voice sounds much more <laughs> um, sick and stuffy. So um, that both those things are true. I am much sicker than when I originally recorded it three days ago. But I did find some more info. So... The Bet Spear. I, you know, it didn't sit right with me that the spear, the sphere, whatever, not the shocking spear, but a sphere, a circle. I wonder how many times I mispronounced that in the episode now that I think about it. Anyways, it didn't sit right with me that an entire family went missing and there was no police reports or anything like that. Now, I started to look more into it. Oh, also, if you notice weird clicking noises right now, it's because I, I have a lozenge in my mouth, a throat lozenge. But anyways, so... I kept looking, and I can't really fault the other websites I looked at, which was Atlantis Rising and Mysterious Universe was a website that I looked a lot at, as opposed, and, and other websites as well in the links. At first, I was a little upset that they didn't find this information, but then I realized that, you know, when you're looking into the mysterious stuff, information's constantly evolving. Now, the family didn't go missing. And so I, I don't think a lot of people did a bunch of research on that. They actually were up until the 80s, still in that area, still in that house. They just decided, <laughs> their articles were saying they mysteriously vanished, and they weren't. They just stopped taking phone calls. But then, then after like 1985, they did vanish. Nobody knew where they were at. I found this website called jackspsychogeo.com, and I I'm, I'm still haven't made quite heads or tails of what the point of this website is. It's, it's well written, but I can't tell if it's like creepy stuff or weird stuff or just this guy's adventures. But according to an article on that website, and this article is dated 2016, so just two years ago, a college professor had um, one of the sons, one of the little Betts boys, in his class, and as the, as the professor and the boy started talking, the boy gave some more background to the story. They did end up leaving the area about 1985. The woman I kept referring to as Mama Betts, her name, I think, what was her name here? Let me look this up here. Jerry, Jerry Betts. She's actually a prominent businesswoman. They moved away. So they that part of the story is true. So they did so part of the story is true. They did get tired of all the publicity after it was outed as some sort of weapon. They just said, "You know what? We're going to stop answering the phone." So they could have had a bunch of kook callers and stuff like that. They could have realized that maybe it was just a metal sphere, we don't know. 
by all accounts, they ended up moving to another state where people they still get phone calls. People still track them down to find out about the sphere. And it's sitting in a closet. It didn't mysteriously vanish. The family didn't mysteriously vanish. They just kind of faded into obscurity. And I think the websites that I was citing were like, they vanished. And, you know, I've noticed this with paranormal conspiracy stuff is that one website will do some in-depth reporting back in like 1982. And then other people will report that and they, they'll just report the original story. And then time moves on and then that becomes the official version. So I'm sure a long time ago someone's like, they mysteriously vanished. And then the articles that have come out since then. And because this hasn't been a big story for the past 20 some odd years, it wasn't like there was a lot of resources to go on. I just happened to stumble across this Jack's Geo Psycho, or sorry, Jack's Psycho Geo website. And it was like on the third page of Google results, which, and I had to type in specifically what happened to the Betts family or where did the Betts family go to locate this? Because I didn't find it in any of my initial research. So, but part of being a researcher, part of, of doing this is having to find those things. But again, I'm not going to fall, especially these articles that I was citing were written before 2016. But I hope this does, so if you, I, I'm adding this in for my own completion and for yours as well. I think that this is probably the first telling of the bet story from beginning to end that finally has the end to it. No, the family didn't disappear. The sphere didn't mysteriously disappear. It's just sitting in their closet and they've simply moved away. And they still get phone calls about it. So this was it, the complete Bet's Fear story. Thank you, Jack's Psycho Geo, for giving us that last piece of information to that story. And actually, to the author of that particular article, his name is uh, Tim Gilmore. So again, it's just it's an ongoing thing. There, every so often, you'll find an article that will add more information to the story of what happened to Amelia Earhart or the science behind the Bermuda Triangle and things like that. And it's just nice to be able to have that extra info. Quick note, there probably will, from the sound of my voice, I think it's easy to tell. I recorded the first three episodes on Sunday, and then I just edited them through. I've been getting sicker and sicker. I haven't had time to record the next couple episodes. Tomorrow's episode most likely will not come out. We will probably have a Friday episode, but I, at this point, I don't think we're going to have a Thursday episode. So I apologize for that. I've done episodes while I've had, like, really bad diarrhea, and I've had episodes where I've had some sinus pain or really bad sinus pain, but when it's affecting my voice, throat and my voice and my voice is scratchy it's a bit harder to record so deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be your email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio twitter is at jason o'carpenter deadrabbitradio is the daily paranormal conspiracy the daily almost daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast you don't have to listen to it every day but i'm glad you listened to it today have a great one guys